Greetings, I'm Tyler, and this is The Socialized Recluse. My guest this time is Eisner-winning comics author and associate professor of humanities, comic studies, and liberal studies at San Francisco State University, Nick Susanis. His 2015 release, Unflattening, remains for me one of the best comics of the last 10 years. So I was absolutely excited to get the chance to talk with Nick about his work, about his upcoming follow-up to Unflattening, uh, about his process, and about oh, drawing babies, uh, Bertrand Russell, and Batman. So, I mean, I mean, what conversation about comics is complete without babies, Bertrand Russell, and Batman? The, the three Bs of any comics conversation. Um, so I w- we'll get to that interview interview in a second, but I just want to bring up one quick or a couple quick technical issues here. Um, this is my first interview to be recorded on my new Zoom PodTrack P4, which is fantastic, but also not without its quirks, of which I'm still learning to navigate. Um, and is also the first episode I've put together on my M1 iPad Pro since making the shift to it. Um, so I'm learning a whole new set of audio editing skills, um, you know, because I used Audacity for the last 15 years. So I am learning a new set of skills. Um, so there is some clipping on my audio of during our interview because the aforementioned quirks and my inability yet to handle them. So those things aside, here we are. As ever, if you'd like to shout, scream, swear, say hi, or otherwise at me, my email is TWW at parentheticalrecluse.com. And you can check out earlier episodes of this show at parentheticalrecluse.com slash TSR pod. And now, here's my chat with Nick. So have you finished drawing babies yet? Uh, no, I have not. No? Okay. Um, I've got one more. I'm nearly done with the hardest page. Might finish today. I have some time to work today, so um, I might finish it today. And how, how long has the baby drawing been going on? Mm, this is where I'd start swearing. Um <laughs> Uh, possibly two years. I, I say um, long, I long, I long planned, enough to make you swear. Uh, I planned the chapter. I mean, I sort of knew the chapter before that, but I planned it in detail, I think, two summers ago and okay. then started it, drawing it uh, like a year and a half ago or more. And then the pandemic came and my, as slow as I was before, I, I crawled to a halt with like maybe 10 minutes a night if I was really lucky to get to work on it. <laughs> Um, so yeah <laughs> so you're so you you might wrap up today but you're still drawing babies well i'm not wrapping up the chapter today but i might wrap up the hardest of the lots of babies still to draw and the rest of it i know what i'm doing on the last two pages of the two and a half pages of the chapter so um and i don't have to like reference lots of babies and get my kids <laughs> to do things and you know it's um it's a trouble with being both hyper dense and detailed and you know trying to be accurate it's less right. about detail and more about accurate I, i'm not really a cartoonist in a you know, I, i'm not particularly cartoony in my drawing right. so um and i don't draw enough the rest of the time to be like a super amazing drawer of babies and other <laughs> things like it so anyway uh, every page I have to learn new things well that's that's, a, that's not a bad thing though it's not a bad thing but it's not like you know if I was drawing Spider-Man I'd, I'd get good at drawing Spider-Man and then I could draw him on the next page too so I wouldn't have right. to start all over how do I draw Spider-Man but with the babies it's a new baby all the time it's a new baby every panel so every panel. I'm counting the babies um, I, I'm counting to see how many different or not necessarily all different, but um, I forget where I got to. I got to 385. Um, that's just the babies. That's not all the other stuff in the pages. Right. Um, and that's, uh, there's got to be, I don't know, I guess it'll it, it'll cross 500 before I'm done, I think. <laughs> so, so, anyway, so that, I don't recommend it. Yeah, that's a lot of babies, in other words. It's a lot of babies. A lot of babies. Um, yeah. So when we when we first spoke, you told me that, you know, when you were working on this 
follow-up to unflattening that you you didn't quite have the thing that made it yours mm -hmm. but then you cracked it so like what was missing from it to make it yours yeah it's a it's a little hard to i mean and i know this explain. i mean i know this is a work in progress so it's hard to talk about works in progress but oh no that that part's i can handle okay. uh, it's it it's not that it's hard to explain the feel of it i mean so i i had some big ideas about what i want to talk about in the book and i, I want to talk about where we come from as from as small children where we come from as a species and what that means for what thinking is and what learning looks like and then you know i want to have some sort of implications of it and that that's a pretty straightforward arc right and it comes from my teaching it comes from talking about the first book with people and sort of how i did the first book so i have all these conversations about process and how you know the visual is a way of thinking and 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 moving is a way of thinking these are things i think about a lot and and so i had all this 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 structure like i said like where we come from what that means for who we are and and uh, or, you know uh, for what we are and um and then what what that might look like in education and that was all pretty clear but um but it felt very much like um like a textbook <laughs> okay um you know like uh not, not t uh, just it felt like like a little more didactic than the kind of work i like to do and um i didn't have the sort of metaphor that held it together with a, which was unflattening i clearly i had this I had this word, you know, I really had the word very early on mm -hmm. when I was when I was thinking about how comics worked. I had this funny word that I, I was playing with. And then I started applying that word to all these other things I was thinking about. And that really held it together, even if I never quite tell you what that word means. Um, it really helped me. Each page, however crazy the thing I was drawing on the page might you know be like unrelated to everything else. Um, I still, I could keep coming back to that word, um, and make sure like, is this an example of unflattening or is it something else? And if it's something else, um, I shouldn't include it. Um, so yeah, so this just took a long time and I kept, I mean, this is very much a book about, um, very much a book about uh the body and drawing as a way of thinking and the body as a way of thinking and and um and and very much about how we can learn from from our own drawings and our own movement um and what's interesting about that is is my attempt to solve this problem i just kept reading and thinking and sitting and reading and sitting and thinking and sitting and reading and sitting and thinking um all of which are sort of antithetical to what i was proposing in the book so Really, after a long period of that, I, I, I just was frustrated and I got out. I, I work when I'm designing the book or chapters. Um, I work on large, cheap newsprint, and some of that's reproduced in the back of Unflattening. Um, and uh, I just, like, started making marks. Okay. Um, and some related to what I was doing and some just whatever. Um, and in that, in doing it, I had this kind of insane thing where, like, I... I as I was making these marks, I noticed uh, one of my older works just happened to be sitting, a, a little print of it happened to be sitting next to where I was drawing. And I said, oh, uh, that's an interesting thing. That ties into what I'm thinking. And then and then all of a sudden, this like, cascade of ideas just poured out and poured out onto the page. And I drew it. And I figured out this whole opening chapter. Um, and that whole opening chapter sort of took the working title and it, it it gave me this framing structure to make the whole thing all of a sudden go from this sort of a bunch of interesting ideas that I was wanted to talk about into something that was mine. Okay. Um, and it really happened. I mean, there was more details to work out. So it took longer than a few hours. It took weeks probably, but there was this couple hour sort of explosion of ideas that, um, like I said, just really poured out. And I, I it did, make a point of sometime right around then uh writing it all down so mm -hmm. i would remember because and so i someday i'll uh, i'll um do something with that writing because uh, it was really interesting I and mean, it's really interesting to me as a as a teacher uh, as an advocate of this like drawing as a way of thinking to 
even as somebody who knows that even uh, to still be sort of stuck in my own you know like i'm gonna think myself to an answer and and that's uh that's just it i don't know i mean i think that's just part of who we are it's like hard to let go of that even even when you should know better for lots of reasons right right if you just step away generally something will show up um yeah, yeah something will show so, up. something i always kind of liken it to like um my wife and i go to antique malls and they ask us if they can help us find anything and it's like i'll mm-hmm. know it when i see it but i yeah kind of have to trust myself enough to know that i'll know it yeah, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So, so I had to trust myself and I had to move. I had to literally start moving and not, not just, not just think. And, uh, and once I did that, I, you know, things started to make sense and, um, and started to feel, you know, I got excited about it. I wasn't just like, cool, I'm doing this thing. It was like, this is the, you know, this is like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it more than that, but. No, I, um, I, I get, I get it. it. It kind of, it is that like once you find that thing or that one word, I, I that um, you know you had unflattening for the first one, and 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 this is is it still Nostos? Is it, uh, yeah, that and that, that title. It's funny. It's actually suggested by my editor. Oh, okay. It's not even. Uh, I was telling her about my idea. Uh, it's my editor, Shamila Sen at Harvard. Um, she, uh, I was telling her that my idea is about sort of this return to, uh, you know, to where we were as as seven-year-olds and and how we came to be as thinkers and she sort of pitched that to me and it wasn't i really you know i was familiar with the odyssey but i wasn't really familiar with the term um and um i don't know it just sort of it it stuck and it gave me a nice framing thing like i said um uh but it took a while to get there. Yeah, it took a while to get there. And I'm not 100% sure it'll stay the title. I mean, um, it's mostly because I think a lot of people have no idea what the word is. I had to look it up. Yeah. And so that's a, you know, it's a, it's a word about the delight of the return. Well, it, um, it's it, not it, just the return. It is funny, though, is that once I did look it up, it's like I knew the concept. Yeah. But I didn't know the name of the concept. Right, right. And uh, so that's a, it's a, it's a little bit confusing because... You know, I see, I, I, I've applied just for some grants at my university, and they have repeatedly uh, called it nostros. You mm-hmm. know, um, which is a much more common word, right? And yeah. very different, different word altogether. So, um, you know, whatever. I've already had a book with a title that people get wrong all the time. I suppose <laughs> I can do it twice, right? Hey, you might as well. It's it's, it's your thing. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I there's still part of me that's trying to find this sort of made up or not so common word that I can claim. But uh, anyway, um, that's where I'm at. So I, I want to go back, though, is to, I mean, how did you first start getting into comic? How did you first start reading comics? I mean, everyone kind of has their way they oh, sure. found the religion, so to speak. <laughs> sure, yeah. No, mine starts very early. Um, you know, uh, my I have a much older brother, and he read, comics to me when i was little um batman is my first word um <laughs> that's awesome so you know yeah uh, <laughs> um i've duplicated i've replicated that in both my kids now so <laughs> well um yeah yeah it wasn't totally intentional with the first one but the second one was like <laughs> we might as well go for it um um but you know and, and so i'm a big believer in sort of comics as early literacy as a result um but I, I, but in seeing it in my own kid, um, my, my older one, who's old and, you know, read so early. And I think so early because you pay so much attention to comic. I mean, you, you know, you can't sort of like drift off while somebody's right. reading. You have to like watch every inch. And it, you know, on one hand, they're easier. On the other hand, they're so much, so much more sophisticated than just reading a line, you know, going left to right, left to right, left to right. Um so I don't know. I'm sort of going off into an education tangent that's here, fine. but um, but yeah, my 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 uh, that that's my secret origin is my brother was a big comics reader and and we had comics, so I read them and got into it. So, so then, what was it then that made you kind of cross that line into creating them? Um, I made them as a kid too, okay. which probably most people. Yeah, do. I did too. Um, I, I was I was a terrible artist, but I did it. 
Yeah, I mean, I made some. I mean, my brother drew, and it's interesting. He really, he had one. He'll tell this story. I won't remember it really, but about drawing and like really understanding drawing, and then sort of forgetting. Um, you know, like, and I, I have. He had like in a drawer in a barn. He had some of these comics he made when he was like eight or nine, or or maybe maybe ten. I don't know, but um, they were pretty cool. I always really liked them. And I, I, you know, I was a kid who drew, and then because of things about our education system, I think. I, I drew things that look like things mm -hmm. from a very early age and I kept doing it, you know, um, I, I didn't, I didn't really study art so much as a student, but I, I kept, I kept drawing and I liked it and I liked telling stories in there. And, you know, I made uh, uh, my own superhero comic in eighth grade through high school that shows up in, in unflattening yeah, locker, man, um, right? locker man. Yeah. He's got one, one big final issue planned for him if I ever get around to it. But, um, yeah. Anyway. Okay. So it was, I don't know. I don't know what the audience is for that. It might not, might not be big yeah, enough. Well, to, the, the dark locker man night returns or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's not that dark. No. Yeah. No, no. But yeah, it was the first thing I thought of though when I read that in Unflattening was, um, oh, Mosan Hamid's uh, Exit West about you know how you would go through diff different doors and open up anywhere in the world oh i don't know this work yeah you just said yeah it, it's it's a very very good book but um what, what's the name of it exit west exit west cool i i don't know it yeah. um he's an excellent author I, I love his work exit west okay cool i i appreciate that it's, it's new to me well, I, that's the least I can do. I mean, you 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 filled my to read stack after Unflattening, <laughs> so I can I can get one in there. So oh, I'm sure you can get a lot more. Yeah. I'm not as well read as I'd like to be. Um, wow, this book sounds all right. Well, I'll, I'll stay focused. No, you're fine. Go, um, we can go off on tangents. It's fine. No, no, I'm I'm staying focused. Okay, so on that, let's go off on a tangent. Um, so I I do want to get a bit into Unflattening here, but. Um, and so one of the things you mentioned in there was um, Bertrand Russell's regret that we can't construct a language which would express all relations by analogous relations. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, and, and you say, and, and I love this quote of how you describe comics, and I'm insanely jealous of this line, but I'm combining mm -hmm. two of them, which is an amphibious language of juxtapositions and fragments, simultaneous and sequential, or the other way around, modes in electric tension. So yeah. what is it then about comics that makes it, you know, conducive to ameliorating Russell's regret? Yeah, there's a lot of things all in one question and a lot, uh, requiring a lot of memory on my part. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel bad asking that because I always, you know, when my first book came out, I would have people ask me, you know, things on, on page such and such, what did you mean? I'm like, I wrote it. I don't remember. I don't remember, right? I don't remember. No, but I, I certainly, I mean, that's like the heart of what I think about comics. So yeah. um, that's, uh, I, I mean, uh, you know, and I, I stumbled on Russell's thing. I don't even know where I stumbled on it. Um, and it just fit. And again, you know, what I said at the, the opening here is that you know, having this word unflattening and thinking about the idea of coming, you know, everything coming from multiple perspectives. Um, it really, you know, Russell's comment made a lot of sense. And then this idea that comics were this other not just image and text, which I think is the simple way to look at comics, right. but they're combining ways of reading or, or ways of viewing, right? There's, right? there's a way of reading and a way of viewing, viewing, and they're both going on at once. And I think that that's just really exciting, right? Like, it's, yeah. yeah, like you're not just, yeah, and not just, I don't want to use the word just, but um, you're dancing between those two modes. And I think that starts to, to really open up what comics can be and how you can communicate with them. You know, so I, I think to that end, you know, we tend to think about comics as sort of, uh, you know, um, like slow motion film or, um, uh, or storyboards. But I, right. but I do think, I think it's more interesting to think about their spatial properties. Um, I don't know more interesting. It's more interesting to me um, that we have more, all these potentials for, for how we make you read and how we, change reading from this fairly linear thing to this 
linear and not at all linear thing, which yeah. which goes very much to how we think. You know, our thinks our our thinking isn't just in this neat line; it's in all these kinds of directions. So, so to me, I, I think getting excited about that it, it was really like comics are this way to get at get at what my thinking might actually look like underneath. You know, um, and that may not. You know, I'm an advocate for comics, so I tend to see things. It, like you know, as as an as an advocate, which maybe I'm overselling it, but um, no, I I agree with you. Well, then then it's true. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yes. if we, we agree. It is true. If we agree, then it's yes. You know, I mean, it's no, got to be. But I I you know, are you talk when you talk about is it expressing something that's inexpressible or is it a way of expressing thinking? Mm, that's nice. Um, I don't have to answer that, do it. And <laughs> uh, no, well. I, I bring up the inexpressible because, you know, comics for me have always been as as a writer, they have always sort of been this unicorn for me that and, mm -hmm. and like my heartbreak that I've never been able to get a comics project off the ground, um, you know, it is so deep. And I think, though, that at least for me, I've found that when I'm writing them, they remind me of when I was working in music, that it was mm. this language above beyond language. Yeah. And I think that, yeah. And, but, you know, at the same time, I mean, I knew that music wasn't my form and, and writing is, is, is how I th think and whatever. But I think I've found, though, that, like, on the other hand, that, that that frustration of not being able to express myself in that way, it pushes me in my own craft to sort of reach that ideal. Mm -hmm. You know, that, you know, I don't, but I'm just saying is that I don't think I would be able to recognize that or push myself if I didn't have that background in music and if I didn't have that lifelong love of comics. Hmm. And and really, it was reading unflattening for like the you know the thousandth time or whatever since I've been since I've been wow well nth time we'll say yeah um, that's probably better. yeah uh, <laughs> I'd be concerned if you'd read yeah it. yeah no I yeah I love your work I'm, I'm not that much but you know. <laughs> Not yeah, a thousand times enough. over. And over. Not a thousand times. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it kind of brought that out, was that there was this inexpressible thing that I think with just words is a difficult thing to pull off. And, and yeah. while I, while I, I mean, I, I love, obviously I love those that can do it, but I do see that limitation. I do recognize now that frustration, that creative frustration for me. Yeah. But and, I think, you know, I mean, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I mean, I'm probably going off on my own tangent here, so you can jump in any time you want to. Um, no, well, I, I was thinking about Susan Langer, who's cited somewhere in that same part, you know, her thoughts about it's not that images are are not logical, it's just that they don't fit into the logical structure of language or something to that effect. Um, right. And I think that's, and I so much see that with my students who, you know, I typically work with non-drawers, um, especially in you know, most of my class. I mean, I now because I have a program, I, I do also have people who come as drawers. But when you open them up to saying, you know, how can you get your thoughts out through these other forms? They 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 respond to it so well, and and so naturally. And I often find the sort of the self-described non-drawer. I'm not actually saying they can't draw, right. um, but uh, uh, when you when you open, you know, when they're open to it. And they see it as a as a viable ways to communicate and are sort of, you know, uh, let into the door. Um, they they do these brilliant things um, that they don't know they're capable of. So, um, what, how how yeah. then do you open that door for them? How how do, how do then do you help them get over that sort of the the self described non drawer fear? Well, I make them do it. That first. works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I make them do it. It's in, it. All my stuff is like. Uh, you know, I, we, we do a drawing thing like every class and it's like zero, zero stakes. Like okay. it's not, they're graded by in, in the grading sense. Grading is a problem period. But, but in my class they're graded by, did they do it or did they not? Gotcha. Um, and that's it. I don't care. I, I mean, I really, you know, and, and a few people will sort of cheat the system by just doing the least possible, but most of them won't. Most of them will like get really into it. Cause it's theirs, right? Like, yeah. It, um, 
you know, I typically start in all my classes, which for people who have a bunch of classes with me may be a little repetitive, but that's what I got. Um, my I made up this exercise called Grids and Gestures. The very first time um, I taught comics, and I maybe you've seen it, or um, but it's this it's uh, it's described at length on my website, and and I've done it as a Twitter challenge, and I do it at every workshop I do too. Um, but it's this very simple activity that I give them about seven minutes to do. And it, and it does play off this sequential simultaneous thing. I gave them, give them this and music. I give them this very quick introduction where I say, you know, look at the, the room around us. And usually I'm in, in, you know, an industrial education room. So look at the ceiling tiles and pretend you put them to music. And so you've got, you know, you've got long sounds and you've got short sounds and maybe you've hit a, a grade or something and you've got staccato kinds of sounds or or the blinds maybe. Um, and then I say, come down to a piece of paper and now let's think about the shape of the experiences of one of your days, like a typical day or a particular day recently. And then try to try to think about what you know, the little bit you might know about comics and about steep ceiling tiles and try to carve that day up into some way that represents the shape of your experiences. And then we add to that, I say like, okay, so that's how you sort of organize it. But now within and without those spaces, um, make some sort of lines or marks or gestures that represent uh, how you felt or what you were up to throughout the day. And and I really stress, I don't want you to draw things. And, and somebody always will draw a coffee cup. There's always at least one. Um, and, you know, someone will always blow the instructions, even when I say that. But um, um, do your best not to draw things and, and really stick to lines, marks, and gestures. That, that ex- and, and people just do these brilliant things that they're like, you know, some of them, some of them read, you know, left to right, carriage return. Um, some of them spiral around. Some of them snake through. And they do things, you know, they'll use tiny panels and big panels and they'll overlap. And it turns out in seven minutes with my intentionally ambiguous instructions that, um, uh, that, that they have an enormous capacity for for drawing if drawing is understood not as like a technical skill but as like how do i make marks in space to express thought okay. <laughs> um they have an enormous capacity for it so my my i mean that's like my workshop activity and first day of class like once you start with that and you sort of open up like hey this is something you all can do you all know that like like um, jagged lines represent something that hurts because you don't want to lie down against a jagged line. You know that a curved line represents something that you might lie down against, so it feels happy. And so if I ask them to make happy lines versus angry lines, like we do that activity in the class, like like everybody knows that. You don't need to go to school to know that. You don't need to go to art school to know that. You know it because you've lived in the world and you have a body. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like when you start from that place, uh, things start to really open up and and become, you know, they start to see themselves as having a place in that world. And and from there, it, it just, they're off to the races. Um, and, you know, not everyone, but um, I, I would say the majority of my students really become, uh, drawers isn't the right word, but they become thinkers in mm-hmm. their drawing. Um, yeah. Does... And so I, I want to go a bit through your, I mean, we already talked a little bit about it, but uh, about your, your process. And so I, my first question is being, you know, a, 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 a writer, not an artist, but does being both a writer and an artist make it not necessarily easier, you know, but to, to, to tap into that sort of inexpressible thing? Um, well, I, I can't speak to that, right? Like I'm only me, so I, I haven't been you. someone else. To, um, but I mean, it's hard to know how to answer part of that question, but I think, I mean, I think the problem I talked about in my work early on in this conversation where I was stuck yeah. sort of speaks to that thing where I was trying to act as the writer a little too much. You know, I was trying to say, what is, what am I trying to say here? What does it look like? Um, rather, um, rather than, um, than letting it happen, okay. you know, and, and letting it happen is, is really what comes, I think, from the drawing. Um, and, and to that end, um, I think, 
sorry, let me think how to say it sure. exactly. Um, I, my work, uh, you, you know, I, I made comics as my doctoral work because I was trying to make big ideas accessible. Mm-hmm. That was my goal. Um, you know, I, I loved comics. I wanted to make comics. Like that's those are my goals, right? Right. But um, but I I think what I learned from the experience is that uh, is that it was a different. It changed how I thought, and that's what I see with my students. It doesn't matter how well they draw or don't draw. Um, they change how they think by drawing. And I think that is super important. Um, and I see it in all of them. And, and if, you know, if anybody's ever heard me give a talk, I always end with the same student's work. Um, she did the, this, this, this really wonderful comic. And she's clearly not a drawer. Like, you know, like it's, it's not very skillful drawing but it's brilliant and mm-hmm. it's, it's revelatory kind of work. Um, and you know, it's, it's somebody who came into class as a non-drawer and kind of left class as a, as definitely not a craftsman of drawing, but, um, but, but found an ability to communicate through the form in an extremely profound way. And I, I find, you know, I share her work, specifically i mean one i love it 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 sort of brings me to tears almost every time i share it and i probably shared it a thousand times now um but also because you know people will look at my work and they'll say well that's great i believe it for you because you can draw um but i don't draw so uh you know so i'm i'm still not going to be part of this and i i think seeing students work who you know have that same sort of lack of experience and lack of expertise um, can really open the door to others who are, are, you know, similarly concerned that they won't be able to. But um, I think they find, I think if, if the people are, are at least a tiny bit open to it, uh, change happens very quickly. So do you, do you start with a script or with an outline or a script and a treatment, whatever, or do you just start drawing? Like with with this current one, yeah. So that's a that's a good question. Um, Is I it do a not hybrid the script? It, it's it's not even that. Okay. Uh, it, I mean, it, maybe it's a it's a hybrid, but yeah. it's not really a hybrid in that way. Um, where do I start? Uh, so, I mean, I have ideas that I want to explore, right? Right. So I start there. Um, that's the, that's the one thing I can answer easily. Okay. And then I, I probably, uh, maybe I read a bunch, you know, like, oh, I'm curious about this. I'm curious about that. So I read a bunch and I'm taking notes and pe- just paying attention. And somewhere in there, um, I, I get my giant uh, newsprint pads and I put down a bunch of those ideas. You know, it's different words, like I call it a roadmap or something, but um you know, mind map is a word people use and um, I, I don't use it in any technical sense. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm, there's ways to do those things. I, I don't have any training in that. So I just do what I do, but I just, it, it's helpful. Big paper is really helpful to me. Um, and I advise this to people who aren't drawers to use too. Um, it's helpful to me because I can see everything. You know, yeah. if I work in a notebook, I can't, uh, you know, I get like 10 ideas and then all of a sudden I'm out of space and I got to flip the page and I'm like, well, all right, what did I do on the back page? And then I got to flip it over. Whereas on those giant newsprints, I like, you know, I start listing some things that I want to do and maybe I've made a few sketches and then I got, I put some other things and I'm like, well, I think these ideas maybe fit over here. So I'm drawing them and then I'm like, Ooh, I think this connects to this. And then I'm like arrow and I draw this thing. And then I notice this kind of crappy drawing I made over here and I'm like, Hmm, that reminds me of this. And then I connected to there. So the, the, the drawing becomes, you know, this is sort of extended cognition, right? The drawing becomes this, this way to help me think um, and help me. Cause I, I don't think, you know, to come back to my earlier answer to this question, uh, to, to your question. Um, uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't have written this book and then added pictures. Right. Like I could have written a book and added pictures, but it wouldn't have been this one. Um, this one exists because I made those drawings and those drawings taught me where to go and they took me places I didn't expect to go. Um, and you know, that that's not, 
better or worse. It's just different. And I think it allowed me to make connections and see things that I just couldn't have. And I, I think that's a really important thing for people to be aware of. And I think that's to me why this work matters so much. Um, because I think it, it's a way, you know, we're, we are visual creatures. We are bodies that move in space and, and it's, it's not an anti-word pitch for me in the least. It's a, how much of ourselves can we use? And, and that doesn't mean everyone's going to make comic books and draw it, but it does mean everybody should have access to what they do, um, to what their bodies can help them with. So, yeah, I think that's what I want to say. But, but yeah, so, so in my, I guess to, to, to give you the more technical answer, you know, I sketch out these things and maybe those sketches say, you got to read some more. And so I read some more and I have more notes and I get more ideas and I make more iterations of these big newsprint things. And then, you know, at some point it starts to feel like it's something. I have something I want to say. Um, and now I'm going to make it in a more of a structure. And then probably because the newsprint things, they're really hard to keep track of. Like they're easy to keep track of one page, but they're difficult to keep track of. Um, it's difficult to keep track of. Uh, you know, I made this note on day, you know, July 3rd, and I made this note. Like, it, it just gets really hard to remember everything I drew. Mm -hmm. So at that point, um, I will, I'll start typing things. And so then I'll have an outline that's typed. And and it's not an outline with, like, t dialogue or, or anything. It's just, like, these are ideas that I wrote in my notebook. And and now I'm starting to put them in order. And And obviously text is searchable. Um, it's printable. I can carry it, or, you know, I can carry it around with me and find things. So it really serves as a placeholder for my all the ideas I already had, and now I can find them okay. um, in a really, really practical sense. Um, so yeah, I think that's I think that answers that okay. pretty well. Yeah, no, I, I have a I about when you said about that, you know, you if you see you you can kind of see something that's missing, then you'll switch over to another thing i i do that with with writing i'll you know i'll type some and then see that i'm there's something not there so i'll switch to handwriting or i'll yeah or i'll switch to some i actually i have a, a note card above my desk that just says what are you not seeing mm, smart and yeah because it's and then i just and i will do mind maps i will go draw stuff and I, I know when i a lot of times i will draw like in the margins yeah. of stuff to to find my way to something um so what impact has teaching had on your creative process mm, tremendous i mean slows me down a little bit well <laughs> other than the time constraints <laughs> there's that but that's no that's uh you know i mean i think most of unflattening or not most but a ton of unflattening came uh, particularly most of the things about comics um came from me teaching and what i was um you know, the things I was trying to figure out in my comics for education course that I was making up, um, you know, like the kinds of things I wanted to make for my students, you know, like how to explain this idea or that idea. Um, there were things that came out of that. And I think my new stuff comes out of, it comes out of teaching in the sort of public events that I've been pretty fortunate to do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they give me these opportunities to try to explain and, and champion this stuff. And in doing that, I mean, I can say like a lot of the work came um, out of talks I gave too, where I would, you know, maybe have samples from comics when I gave a talk this month. But a few months later, I had made pages for my work that then addressed that same concept, but the, but by me. Mm -hmm. So it was like this, you know, I was sort of sort of making it in conversation with my classes, making it in conversation with with the sort of public kinds of conversations I got to have and, and that continues now you know I mean I think so much of this book the new book is is about conversations I had with people around the, the first one and and everything I've done in my classes since which has been increasingly hands-on uh, activities for everything we do um, which was true before but I think it, it, it just only has grown in that in this time so you you um you told me, let me see. You told me last time that you 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 like talking about your kids because they inspire you. So yes, how how do they inspire you? Um, 
Well, I mean, you get to watch them learn, right? You get to watch how they learn. You get to watch how they figure out the world. You get to remember things that you don't, you know, I mean, kids notice things, right? Yeah. Kids notice you've walked the same thing a hundred times and your kid notice looks up in a way that you haven't looked up in all those times or in any of those times in a long time. So, I, I mean, I think that's a big part of it. They remind you of things. I mean, a lot of my work in, in this book is, is directly dealing with that. So the fact that I've had a, a newborn to a near preschooler um, to watch this whole time is really helpful. Like, it, like, oh, yeah, I need to include that because <laughs> here's a way he figured things out. But, I mean, all of it is so – I give this example in uh, – I've been giving it in talks in the last year or so. Um, I show this picture of my boy um, who's probably 10 months or 12 months in the picture. And he's crawling under the, the table with, so there's four chairs and so that's 16 legs and the table has four legs. And um, so you see him crawling through the table and, and, you know, he's not like, how far do I have to go before I turn? And he's like, navigating he's sort of snaking his body very deftly under this table and it's only he's probably at that point been crawling for a month or three um uh you know so it, the, the amount that we and i share this with students a lot but the amount we sort of understand about how we move you know the the, the calculations that your brain and body however you separate that out which i wouldn't but um uh are figuring out to allow you to move through um, this this sort of labyrinth of chairs. And these are things we take for granted, right? Like you walk through a doorway in some place and you don't accidentally bump into the side, right? Like right. occasionally those things happen, those glitches happen and you're like, why did that happen, right? Like it's a, but we're so good at it. We don't think about how we do it. Um, cause here's this little baby who's like, shoop, 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 shoop. he knows, he knows how big his hips are. He's not like looking behind to see, will my hips fit? No, <laughs> he just moves them. Right. So we understand how big our bodies are and what space they occupy. So, so, I mean, thinking about that, um, you know, like how does my kid learn? Well, my kid learns, uh, like my kid learns through moving, right? My kid learns through moving. Um, they learn through watching, they learn through moving, they learn from trying. They, 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 and they pick up everything voraciously. Um, and that's pretty antithetical to how school tends to be structured. And I, I don't, you know, I'm not pointing a lot of fingers on that. It's just, it's, it's school is a hard problem, right? Like, right. like it's a, you got a lot of people and they all learn differently and they're at different places and it, it's a difficult problem. Um, but, um, but if we think about how humans engage in the world, they engage in it like that. And I, I remember my, this before I had kids, my oldest niece, um, I was at their house, well, this is like 10 years ago or something. She had, they had to do standardized tests and she was really down about it because standardized tests are stupid. Um, but she had, uh, she had, I'd, I think I'd, I'd gone to the playground with her and she'd learned to do some trick on the, on the monkey bars or something. Um, and with the, a, a friend of hers who was a little more confident on him, and she'd watched her do this trick, and, and then she did it. Like, she couldn't do it, but she watched this friend of hers, like, do it a few times, and she was kind of helpful to her, and she learned it. And so the, the, it was really the contrast between here she is in formal school, and she did this test that just wasted her life energy for that day. Meanwhile, she had this tremendous experience about learning um, by participating with another child um, in this in this very robust and dynamic way that that I think we need to think about and and you know so I don't know I'm, I'm I could go on about this forever I guess but <laughs> um you know paying attention to how kids learn how kids experience the world is a good reminder and and how do we keep that fresh for them and and not squash it is is hard it's a very hard thing um, and how do we remember it for ourselves right like, right you know I mean. It's really yeah, hard. Yeah, it's hard to yeah keep that freshness of discovery throughout. Yeah, I mean, I hinted at it a little bit in the other book, like the shoe shoe tying. Like, yep. you don't want to relearn how to tie your shoes every day, right? Like, right. that's. Um, so there are there's habit is useful. Uh, habit is extremely useful, but at the same time, if habit is preventing you from seeing, um, 
when everything uh, becomes rote. Right. So yeah. it's it's I think it's a really, you know, I mean, it's a good problem to have. So having reminders, being around children and and enjoying how they learn is a, is a really valuable to us. Um, and, and on that, I mean, what what do you what values as a as thinkers, as readers, as, you know, consumers of of stories and whatever what what values do you hope to instill or leave your kids with yeah boy i don't know um like that's a i mean i probably do know i just have to think about how that 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 question comes out um i mean i think you know you want your kids to be smarter than you yeah (laughs) and i think mine are on their way so that's good um you want them, you know, and it, you want them to be smarter and more thought. Maybe smarter is not even the right word. I think more thoughtful, um, which means more aware of the kinds of things that, you know, that that you weren't aware of um, because people weren't paying attention very well, or you came in a community that didn't pay attention to those sort of things. So, I think that's one hope. And I mean, I think it's, it's an interesting thing. I can talk about comics or movies. We, we've had movie night since the pandemic started, which is something we really did before. And occasionally we see old, we've seen a couple of the old Disney movies, which are sort of shockingly terrible in their, you know, everything from racism to sexism to, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, they're, you know, anyway. But I mean, I think they also become these really interesting opportunities to contrast, you know, like, like what, what, is possible and how you know how is this not working and they kind of how become might it... historical documents yeah which you know i mean it's, I, I don't know how much seven-year-old takes in all of it but i think right. you know just as a simple example contrasting uh the characters in frozen and the sort of agency that the women have in that in those in, versus uh, uh, Sleeping Beauty or something. I can't remember which ones we've seen, but um, you know, there's a, it's dramatic. It's dramatic, right? Like sure. they, they do all these things. And, and I think of the, the works that I can read to my daughter from Hilda to Zeta, the space girl to, to the, my little pony comics. Um, like, you know, there's women or girls, whatever they are in these cases that are cool and they do stuff. They, you know, they might, in some cases, they might be princesses, but they're not princesses that sit around and get saved. They, they do stuff, they fight, they solve problems. They, they, you know, so, I mean, I think the kinds of readings that are available um, are just dramatically different. And it's, especially as a comics reader, like, you know, if I wanted to read comics as a kid, I, I read the comics that my older brother was reading, Batman comics, and that's what there was. Um, and I enjoyed them, and I'm I'm not complaining about that. But there's just so much about different kinds of people. And uh, we just read, uh, my goodness, we just read when the star when, oh, what is it called? Uh, when stars are scattered. Okay. Um, uh, this is a story about this uh, Somalian boy, a refugee living in a refugee camp, and. You know, I mean, I was a little worried she was too young for that, um, but I never seemed to think about that till we started. Um, <laughs> um, and it's—I mean, it's such a—I mean, such a moving book and, and so well handled. Um, you know, it represents such a, a, a strength of comics to take us into those experiences and and things we really need to hear. Kids need to hear it, um, and and it left my daughter with lots of questions and lots for us to discuss going forward about the events of the book, about where these places, you know, she wanted me to show her on the map where these places are. And, you know, she's going to read it again. And like we've read Raina, Raina Talgemeyer's books um, a little, also a little earlier than we probably are supposed to, but, um, but she rereads them again and again, and, and they become important characters to her, the kinds of questions they're wrestling with become things that are really salient, salient to her. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if I'm answering your question. No, all, you are. are it's all, just that, those are all true things. Yeah, yeah, it's just that matter of being just thoughtful and aware. Yeah, thoughtful yeah. and aware, and and you know more expansive. Um, you know, and and I think when you when you say this about uh, uh, you know, what do I learn from them? I mean, or what do we learn from children? Like, I think that's it too. Is that they open us to being more aware. Um ourselves i think and i and my dad who's a both my parents are teachers um 
But my dad said this thing, and he said it at our wedding, but he's talked about how much he learned from his children. And you know, he's, a, he's sort of a legendary teacher and, you know, influenced tons and tons of people. But, but it, you know, he didn't say it as a nice thing. He said it as this is like he really paid attention to it. And I, I, I mean, I think that's the mark of a good teacher, too, is that they're paying attention and learning from their from their students and, and a good parent, you know, is that you're paying attention to them and and that's helping you do better or think better. So we are heading into the end of this, but before we yeah. wrap up, um, so tell me about this um, adapting comics for the blind and low vision thing that you've got coming up soon. Sure. It's... Soon. Yes. Two weeks from today. Okay. Set your calendar. Right. Um, it is set. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting thing. So, um, you know, here I am, this guy who preaches comics as this like way to make education accessible. Um, and I made this work uh, that preaches comics as this way to make things accessible. And not only did I do that, um, it's all about how we see. <laughs> um, so my my work is probably one of the least, you know, and if you know my work, like it's one of the least accessible things there could be for a for a, a low vision or blind reader um you know you, you can't it's not like you can narrate it very well um so i started to become aware of these things um i i don't know if it was elon manuk's uh, shape reader or some other things there have been a few sort of um blind reader comics um that just you know they just hit my curiosity and i was like oh this is cool and how do i think about that um and, um, you know, so I, on my website where I just put all these things for comics and education, I would just add them to it and have this growing list and maybe I'd share with students sometime. And, uh, when I came to SF state, uh, I got hired at the same time, uh, as, as Ting, who's another collaborator on this project and just happened to talk to her in the orientation for us. And, you know, we struck up a conversation and she wanted to come talk to my classes. And I'm like, sure, I, you know, I teach this visual communication class. I don't really know how to think about the stuff you do, but I'm so that we did that a couple of times. And then, you know, more examples have come up and um, we had a student. Um, we have some I have some grad students who are going to do uh, comics as part of their master's thesis or for their master's thesis. So the question of, of accessibility came up there, which, which is really quite easily solvable. I mean, if you just make a PDF and that, and a description of it, but I was like, well, instead of seeing this as a problem, what if we see it as an opportunity? What are some ways we can adapt this, um, you know, make it more accessible. And, and I don't know that we're going to solve that with my current crop of students, but, uh, I, I I pitched with this other professor uh, a, a small grant and um, uh, to do some conversations around it and and invite some people to advise us on it and um, we got that and then I, we had an event in March and I decided about a week before I was like why don't we just make open this to the public and see if anybody comes that we don't know about and we got 800 people signed wow. up in a week. Um, and, you know, we weren't really prepared for that. And then we're so intrigued about it. Um, we said, let's do a bigger version of it. So that's what's coming August 12th and devote each session to a different modality. Um, and I have this bigger idea. I was trying to explain it to my daughter, um, the event, like after, because I saw like so many ideas I left with. And I was trying to explain it to her. And in doing that, I thought what what you really need to do, um, because, because what came, we came clear in that first event is, is, is I started thinking about for my new book is like each chapter has a sort of constraint that helps me organize, you know, like panel constraint or something that I've got, um, or at least I'm planning that. Um, and I thought, well, what if I, you know, just very purposefully make a chapter that can also be created as a tactile chapter and, and, you know, for blind readers. Um, and what I may still do that, but, but what I learned in the event was that there's no, there's no solution that's like perfect for all blind readers. Um, you know, okay. some, some, you know, became blind later at life. Some have partial sight. Some are very comfortable with tactile. Some don't care about tactile. Some, you know, want to know what the page looks like and some just want to know what happens. And, and that, and there's no just simple answer to that. Um, 
And and so in in hearing that, I thought what would be really interesting is to take either an existing comic or one created for this event, and and get teams to create you know ten to twenty adaptations of it in different modalities and even in the same modality but in different ways like one audio description is not going to be the same as another um and so that's that's sort of a future plan is some sort of charrette where we like try to you know to get people thinking about it but but this current event you know we really just want to get a deep dive into all the, the possibilities that are out there and hopefully you know get some creators listening um we didn't push too hard to get creators in the room just because we didn't Partly, we didn't want to have them in a situation where they're talking about things they don't know anything about, um, and um, and get publishers in there because you know it's a is really like I think comics are in this this wonderful time, but at the same time, they really there is no concerted effort to make comics available to to low vision and blind readers. Just you know, there's a occasional instance of it, but nothing exists for it there's no platform for it there's no nothing um and that's bigger than something i can tackle and or or should be um tackling but it's also you know why not uh see if we can jump start some conversations around it and and given response to the first one i I know the interest is there um yeah i mean it's it's an absolutely fascinating thing it's one of those ideas that you know it's just so simple like why didn't anyone think of this you know is this something that but, sh- should yeah. have been considered i mean it, it is amazing that you know i think you're right but i mean you know it comes back to what you said about what do you want for our children well you want them to be more thoughtful than you and, and right you know we don't think of everything we're not we, we can't just can't right yeah yeah and i get the question like what are things i wish i'd done in unflattening and there, there are some there's a few like sort of large errors that i wish I had thought about it and I don't, you know, they weren't omissions of intent, but they're omissions of sort of, I didn't think of everything. Um, and so how can I get better at it? And they're, they're, you know, the reason I like all the, the wrong names that unflattening gets called, um, the one I least like is unflattened because it indicates a finished thing. Right. Yep. Um, and I, I am very, you know, I, 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 I recoil at that very quickly to say, no, no, that's, that's not what the book's about. You know, that's like antithetical to it. Um, so I don't know, coming back to the blind event, I, I, I can't claim to know where we're headed with it, but I, I think it's an important conversation. I think about it as a teacher. I mean, if I, I had a visually impaired student in a comic class, I'm not equipped for it at this point. Um, um, I just not, and I don't want to not be equipped. Um, but I'd like to to have some more resources at my hands to try it. And and as a maker, it's just really interesting to me to yeah. think about it. Um, like, what can I do? Well, it's um, about and, recognizing your limit, but also recognizing opportunity, a creative yeah, opportunity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like you know, and like not everybody can do everything. I, sure. There's 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 limits on our time and on our our abilities to do stuff, but you know, whatever. I mean, that's the beauty of being at a university. You can try things and um, it, hopefully it'll spark more ideas. Um, I, I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to be in charge of an event like this. I, it's a very odd thing to do, but, um, um, but I'm, you know, I'm just excited that I've got great colleagues who work in, in visual impairment and in uh, uh, accessibility more broadly. And they're really I learn a ton, ton from them about things I should think about that I, you know, wouldn't have known if I hadn't been in that space with them. Well, so this the the is on August twelfth, right? August twelfth. So, yep. Okay. So this is the last question. So where can people find you and connect with you and all that good stuff? Um, well, they can find me at my website, spinweaveandcut.com, or Nick Susanis will also take you there. Um, they can find me there. Uh, they can find me on Twitter at nsusanis. Um, and, you know, occasionally, very late at night, I post sneak peeks of my book in progress. Um, uh, and my website, besides stuff about me, the more valuable part of it, um, I mean, it's. I think it's valuable about me, too, because I do share a lot about process, which I think is is you know as we've talked about some today um 
I think something of interest to a lot of people and it's definitely of interest to me. So I, I figure there must be others. And then when I share it in talks and stuff, I find so many people want to know about it. That, And I think too, I mean, just to, sorry to add to this yeah, question, but uh, that uh, I, I think, and this is a little part of my, without spoiling too much of the new book, um, you know, I, I think if you're not a drawer or not a maker of whatever of music, um, you see the, the or hear or whatever, feel the, the the finished work, and you say it's like magic. You know, it's Athena coming out of yep. out of the head of Zeus. But that's not what creation is like at all. It's not at all. It's this messy thing, and you struggle and you iterate and you go on this long voyage and an event. You know, maybe it's quick voyage, but eventually you get to some place, and yep. then you understand the thing you're trying to do. Um, and I think the beauty of sharing the process and why I'm just so freely put it out there is, is when it looks like a magic trick, you think it's not for me when it looks like they also muddled through and like, I can draw crappy just like he can, um, look at all those terrible drawings and that's horrible handwriting. I can do that. Um, then I think it opens it up, you know, just like the grids exercise I explained before it says, oh yeah, this is something that I can do. And when it becomes something that you can do, maybe it's something you will do. Yeah. Um, but no, I, where... I, I had that with the, um, oh, the one exercise you did where it was only um, through um, balloons and panels, no images. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I, like I, one. I did one of my short stories with that, just using that. Mm. And so that was, it was a fascinating experience. But yeah, no, I see what you're saying. It's that whole fine, you know the getting the rabbit out of the hat but you have to learn how the hat it, it's neat to see how the hat's made sometimes yeah because i had and, and one thing i i say a lot now is that i'm really good at drawing badly um <laughs> and and it's it's kind of important to me that i make these really scribbly sketches and not detailed sketches when i'm starting because the scribbly ones teach me a lot because i look at them and i say i i interpret them differently than i drew them right um and it, and it has happened very specifically, like in this opening, this crazy thing that I I didn't I sort of alluded to about how I came up with this opening chapter. Um, there's one part. Uh, so I, the, the the spoiler part is it it's sort of it's a metaphorical retelling of the Odyssey. Well, it's not. It's a it's a literal retelling of the Odyssey, but it's a metaphor for something totally different. It doesn't really have anything to do with the Odyssey. But I've drawn the Odyssey on this tapestry that unfolds over. 22 pages or something okay. um and uh there's one part where i have this this axe the axe that frees athena from zeus's head actually this double-headed axe and i have and i drew it and i drew it really badly um and it looks in my drawing a little bit like the lights coming out of a lighthouse so the axe the double axe head sort of looks like the lights coming out yep. and and in all of this uh uh, uh, um, Penelope, Odysseus's wife, is is weaving this thing called a pharos, um, which is a, a a shroud for a deceased person. Um, she's weaving this thing, and and there there's also the lighthouse at pharos, which which which, which as it turns out, there's a I, it's because I don't know how to read ancient Greek. Um, it, there's a you know it's your limits. It's not the same word. It's not the same word. It looks like the same word to someone who doesn't speak Greek, but it's not the same word because there's a accent mark or there's a mark over one of the letters and it changes it to a different word altogether. Um, but that that screw up on my part because of my drawing it made me include the lighthouse, which which totally made sense for what I was doing, but I hadn't thought about it. Um so I, my, my point is the sort of the, the, the accident of bad drawing can really teach you to go places you don't expect. And I, I think that brings us back to sort of the start, like like drawing is a way of thinking for everybody. Right. Um, and, and it's not about your skill or being able to draw a nose just right. It's about making these marks and letting your visual system and the rest of you play with them and seeing where they take you. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I definitely understand that i mean i have I, the number of times that i have moved in different directions because of not being able to read my own handwriting <laughs> and it ended up working out fine it worked out better than if i had been able to read it yeah. sure yeah yeah the mistakes the mistakes i think you have to go get to a point like you said where you get good at, at doing something badly and you accept that and recognize that for what it is right 
Yeah. But I think it's important though. I think I think non-makers think, oh, well, my drawings just suck. I can't do it. And it's like, no, that's actually not the that that's fine. <laughs> you know, you actually should learn to do that on purpose. Um, accidentally on purpose, right? Accidentally on purpose, right? <laughs> well, well, Nick, thank you for talking with me, and I'm, yeah, thanks. I am looking forward. I'm really looking forward to the new book, and just you know, me too. Good luck. Yeah, I'm sure. Good luck on your on the the end of baby drawing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll have to post an alert soon. <laughs> yeah, it's, yes, it's, it's imminent. Yes, it's imminent, and then I'm never doing it again. There's no That's, more babies in the rest of the book. Like I got, I think I'm starting to get good at them, and now it's over. Once again, many thanks to Nick for taking the time to chat with me about his work and um, about all sorts of, about all sorts of things about all the babies he's been drawing. Um, but I, I, I do want to bring up one thing I said in the review I wrote of Unflattening a few years ago. I said that it is um, Susannis has created something truly special—a journey into the furthest reaches of our awareness and understanding that asks us only for the best of ourselves. A journey that begs to be revisited time and again, and it really does beg to be revisited because you do find something new every time you look at it. So that's a rare work that does that, but Unflattening does it, and I can't wait for his new stuff. So, um, one quick word before I go about the Adapting Comics for Blind and Low Vision Readers Symposium. That is on Thursday, August 12th at 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Pacific. And the interview we said two weeks from today, but um, we recorded the interview a week ago. It's on July 29th. I'm releasing this on August 4th. So, next Thursday, August 12th, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Pacific. And that is it. Um, we'll see if I can assemble this episode, but um, I'm pretty sure I will. If if not, I'm working on it. We'll get there. Just have to get the hand-eye coordination thing going with the iPad. Anyhow. As ever, if you'd like to shout, scream, swear, say hi, or otherwise at me, my email is TWW at parentheticalrecluse.com. And you can check out earlier episodes of this show at parentheticalrecluse.com slash TSRpod. We'll see you next time.